You're listening to the Bucks Journal, a Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast covering the best team in the NFL. Go Bucks! All right, welcome Bucks fans. I'm so excited to finally get this podcast up and running. This has been something in the works for me for about a year, really since the end of about last football season. I decided I wanted to start a Bucks podcast. I just needed to get all the tools and get everything figured out. So here we are, and this is going to be something that I think is going to be awesome, a great way to discuss Bucks football, a great way to interact with a lot of Bucks fans, and uh, just a great way to really connect with the community. For those of you who don't know me, my name is JT Squalante. On Twitter, you can follow me at BucksJ. I post probably way too many Bucks things on that Twitter. So if you uh, want to follow some Bucks content on the internet, go ahead and follow me on Twitter at BucksJ. I'm going to start by giving you guys a little bit of my Bucks fan history. So I was born and raised in the Tampa Bay area. I've been a Bucks fan essentially since the day I was born. My earliest memory was, I would say, the week of the Super Bowl for us back in 2003. Um, I was only eight at the time, but I remember the excitement that was buzzing around the Tampa Bay area, and my family in particular had just moved into a brand new home. They wanted to throw a Bucks Super Bowl party, so we had a bunch of family and friends come over, and we did the whole Super Bowl party thing. The Bucks won, and I remember my dad and mom handing out pots and pans, and everybody was supposed to go around and just start smacking around the pots and pans, making as much noise as you can. To me, it felt like the whole neighborhood was doing it. That's probably not true. It was probably just our house. The Bucks ended up winning, obviously, our first Super Bowl, our last Super Bowl, and our last playoff win. That's a topic for another time. My dad ended up jumping on my grandma's car. So I'm sure there was some beer involved, but he ended up going outside, getting on the top of her car, and jumping around. And to me, that's just one Bucks memory that'll always stick with me. Another one around that same time, I don't know, it had to be maybe a couple weeks after the Super Bowl. I went to Walmart with my mom and my grandma, and I was walking around the store, and I was begging. I kept seeing the Bucks Super Bowl DVD, and I was begging for it. I was like, Mom, please, can I get this Super Bowl DVD? Please, please, please. And like again, this was 2002. I'm terrible when it comes to time frames, but I don't even know if DVDs were like the thing back then. So I was just begging for this DVD. I think I just liked the cover of it. And uh, my mom was like, no, 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 not right now. We don't need it. We don't need it. My grandma, who rest in peace, she was awesome. She decided, no, let's just sneak it and I'll buy it for you. So she snuck it into the cart. She bought it for me. I took it home. I probably watched that DVD. I'm not even lying. Probably 50 times. I can almost recite every game word for word. Even, Even the broadcasts. I can recite the broadcasts, the announcer's calls, just so many things that's a great dvd you can still pick it up on ebay for all you bucks fans out there that have never seen the super bowl dvd go out it's like maybe 10 bucks on the internet go buy it it's it's my favorite all-time bucks thing to watch whenever i feel like i need to watch the bucks win a playoff game considering that was our last one i just have to put that on it didn't stop there though (laughs) I wanted to continue to get as much Bucks stuff as I could. I just became infatuated with the team, really. And I remember getting all the bobbleheads, the Super Bowl bobbleheads. For those of you that know, know that they made a bunch of bobbleheads of even all the way from the kicker, you know, Martin Gramatica to John Gruden, Brad Johnson, Keyshawn Johnson, Simeon Rice, Derek Brooks. All those guys had their own bobbleheads. 
I have all of them still unopened to this day. I have them all. I don't know if they're ever going to be worth anything. I said for the longest time, when I get older, these are going to be worth a lot of money and I'm going to be rich off these. It didn't quite work out the way I was planning. But regardless, I still kept them and I still have them in great condition. So they're worth something. It's more sentimental value, I guess, now than anything else. So that's pretty much who I am as a Bucks fan. I could go on and on about that. But let's talk present day Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This team is 150% not the team I thought it was going to be going into the end of last year. Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, they are both Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I am still shocked by it. I don't even know if it's real. I almost feel like it's just a dream. To be honest, I didn't even know Tom Brady and Gronk knew who the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were. I didn't even know they knew we were a team. Regardless, they both found their way here. I did already walk by Tom Brady's mansion that he's living in, Derek Jeter's house on Davis Island, which, by the way, I did it the day before the Howard Stern interview came out and he said that he didn't want too many people walking by his house or whatnot. I don't condone going to walk by his house, but you can. There's no gate or anything like that, so you can definitely see it. It's a beautiful mansion. And I know you can also, from the water, you can see the back end of the house too. And it's just, it's just an amazing house. Welcome Tom Brady. Welcome Rob Gronkowski to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Like I said, to have two of the greatest players of all time at their position here. Yeah. Maybe it is for just a two year tryout. It's still absolutely amazing and shocking to me. It's just not something I don't think I'm going to fully understand and comprehend until I see them in the Tampa Bay uniform at Raymond James stadium and scoring touchdowns for the Bucks. Tom Brady posted on Twitter the other day. He posted a video and then at the end of it, he said, go Bucks. It gave me chills down my whole body, but it still was like a little weird because it almost feels like, are you sure you want to say go Bucks? Like, are you sure this is what you want? This is what you're doing. But we got the goat and here we are. With getting Tom Brady, we had to get rid of Jameis Winston. And this is something that is going to be controversial for a lot of Bucks fans because Jameis was one of those players. You either love him or you hate him. A lot of Bucks fans didn't want Jameis to succeed. A lot of Bucks fans, like myself, really still care about Jameis Winston and they really want him to see him succeed. And there's almost like no in between. Now, of course, there's Bucks fans out there that are like, hey, we don't care. When he was a Buck, we wanted him to do good. Now that he's not a Buck, who cares about him? And I get that point. Trust me, I do. You know, that's your opinion that you're more than welcome to have that opinion. I've been like that with a couple players, so I get it. But for me, and I'm not a Florida State fan. That's the thing. A lot of people that say, oh, you follow Jameis Winston because you were a Florida State fan. I'm not. I'm actually a USF Bulls fan. That doesn't make any sense for me. But I just really took a liking to Jameis, and I really, really, really wanted Jameis to be our future. It didn't work out that way. Here's my thing. I, all offseason, was talking to my friends and talking to Bucks fans on Twitter, and I was like, Jameis Winston is going to go somewhere where he can 100% compete for the starting job because that's the type of player he is. He's a competitor. He's going to get a good contract somewhere, and he's going to try to compete for a starting role. And I was absolutely wrong. Jameis decided to go to New Orleans, a division rival, for $1.1 million on a one-year deal. So that means Jameis Winston, who led the league in passing yards and threw 33 touchdowns. Yes, he threw 30 interceptions. I understand that. 
Everybody knows that. I think the entire sports world knows that. The potential is limitless with him. But he is making less in 2020 than players like A.J. McCarron, Taysom Hill, who is also a Saints quarterback, Daniel Jones, okay, understand that one a little bit, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Marcus Mariota is making $9 million, nine times what Jameis is going to make. And then really all the other starters, obviously, in the league are making more than that, but $1 million is ridiculously low for a quarterback who has five years starting experience in the NFL, who is only 26 years old. He's young, and he's only making $1 million. He took a deal for $1 million to go to a division rival and sit behind Drew Brees because I think Jameis Winston, he's salty that the Bucks screwed him over a little bit. There was a lot of reports going on that Jameis got screwed by the Bucks. So let's go into that a little bit. Reports are that the Bucks told, and I don't know if it was Jason Light or Bruce Arians, but the Bucks told Jameis, do not field other offers. We're going to bring you back in March. If Jameis didn't field other offers, if his agent said, okay, we will not field other offers, Jameis needs to fire his agent immediately because this is the NFL and it stands for not for long. It's a business. You got to understand that teams are going to do whatever's going to be better for their team. When Tom Brady is available and decides he's going to go to your team, it doesn't matter who your starting quarterback is. Tom Brady's probably going to start over him. Now, obviously, if you take players like Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, the studs like that, they're not going to lose a spot to Tom Brady. He wouldn't even go to those teams anyways. But when you have a player like Jameis Winston, who's so on the bubble already, and then the greatest quarterback of all time is available and decides he's going to come to your team, it's over for you. That's it. I mean, doesn't matter what the team told you. But regardless, it's extremely irresponsible of his agent to take that advice and go with it. He needs to say, okay, or no, we're going to also field offers and we're going to see what the best offer is for my client. In the NFL, it's never been about the name on the back of the jersey. It's always and especially in the NFL owner's eyes it's always about the name on the front of the jersey the Bucks can bring Tom Brady here to Tampa and I'm not going to sit here and tell you it wasn't a business decision as well it is 100% also a business decision they decided Tom Brady's going to sell tickets Tom Brady's going to get people to go to the stadium show up to Raymond James have a packed house I mean look at the jersey sales Tom Brady number one Gronk's up there as well. So this is just how this is what the Bucks wanted. This is what the owners, this is what the Glazers needed. They need to sell tickets. You know, the Bucks have obviously been lacking in fans for the longest time. When's the last time the Bucks had a hold on season tickets? They had a waiting list for season tickets. Now they have season ticket waiting lists. It's just exactly what the owners wanted. They weren't gonna turn that down to give Jameis Winston, who could throw another 30 interceptions. million a year because that's what he wanted. He wanted $30 million a year. That's what his camp was reporting. Well, he got $29 million less than what he wanted. Either way, what I'm going to say is this. I'm going to follow Jameis Winston for the rest of his career. I hope one day it doesn't bite the bucks in the ass. 
that they decided to get rid of Jameis, and then he went to a division rival, and Drew Brees retires next year or the year after that, and then Jameis takes over and starts leading that team to to a bunch of different wins and coming to Raymond James. I I just don't want that to happen, but I'm going to follow Jameis for the rest of his career. So I wish him well. Like I said, I'll definitely be following, but I would much rather the Bucks have Tom Brady and go to the Super Bowl. If it's a two-year tryout, I'll take Tom Brady over Jameis Winston any day. Obviously, for the future, that's a different story for a different time. So speaking of future, let's talk about the 2020 NFL Draft, which just ended last week. The Bucks had a overall great draft, in my opinion. The Bucks needed to address the offensive line. They needed to dread Really, they needed to address the offense, offensive line, running back, and they needed a third receiver. At the same time, they did need a safety. That has been a position of need for the Buccaneers for a very, very long time. They nailed all those positions. They got a tackle, they got a safety, a running back, wide receiver, and then they also got a defensive tackle, a linebacker, and finally another running back. So let's go break it down by each player. Round one, pick 13. So the Bucks had pick 14. They had to trade up to pick 13 with the 49ers, and they drafted tackle Tristan Wirfs. That is 100% a win. They got one of the big four offensive linemen that they had to get. They went into this draft knowing they had to get one of the big four offensive linemen. If you guys want to read something that was absolutely outstanding, Peter King, go on his Twitter he dropped a article. Uh, he had some insider, I guess, view on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers draft. To be honest, I don't know 100% if he was Skyped in with them, with uh, Jason Light, but either way, he was able to write a story about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers draft, and there's some great pieces in that story. But he showed that the Bucks were 100% gunning for one of those tackles. They, th- they tried to move up to five. They tried to move up to six. They tried to move up to eight, to nine. They tried to move up with every, almost it seems like every team from five all the way to 14, they tried to move up. Eventually, they did it with the 49ers, and it was only for one spot, and they only had to give up a fourth round pick. When you read that article, that Peter King article, you could see that there was a possibility the Bucks were ready to give up a second round pick this year and a third round pick. So they would have a first round, and then the next time they would select a player would be in the fourth round. And like I said, they still needed a safety. They still needed a running back. They still needed a slot receiver. So that would have been extremely detrimental to the team. I think it played out perfectly to only give up a fourth. We had two, you know, but we traded Gronk for one, and then we got rid of that fourth for the Tristan Wirfs pick. Tristan Wirfs a freak of a human. He's a huge, massive offensive lineman, and I think with some NFL coaching, he's going to be a stud. I had him listed as my third best offensive lineman out of the big four. I really wanted Andrew Thomas, but of course the Giants took our man, uh, what do you expect? The Giants are always taking shit from people, but um, I got a couple Giants friends out there, so I know they're going to be tuning in, so I had to put that part into the podcast. But that left us, Tristan Wirfs, and honestly, that's a great pick for the Bucks. You know, they needed to protect Tom Brady. They needed to figure out who was going to play that right tackle spot. Tristan Wirfs is a great pick for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So round two, pick 45, they drafted Minnesota safety Antoine Winfield Jr. And I'll be honest, this one shocked me a little bit because I was looking at the draft who was left when I was watching this and I was like oh my god J.K. Dobbins is available the Bucks are gonna get J.K. Dobbins and Antoine Winfield name was called I was shocked I was like damn I really wanted J.K. Dobbins but 
looking back at this, I realized that this was the better move for the Bucks. They haven't had a safety with the instincts of Antoine Winfield Jr. Probably since like, I don't know, John Lynch. Listen, we have some freak athletes out there, okay? Justin Evans, I think, is a great safety. And I think Justin Evans has a lot of talent. But he's coming off an Achilles injury, and we don't know what we have with him. Jordan Whitehead, another great safety. But Jordan Whitehead is just an athlete. He doesn't have the instincts, I don't think, that Antoine Winfield has. That's going to be fun competition for those for those safeties out there, you know, between Evans, Whitehead, between now Winfield Jr. I think it's going to be a great competition in camp to see who really wins out those two spots. Okay, so then going to round three, pick 76, we, dra- we drafted Vanderbilt running back Keyshawn Vaughn. At first, I was like, what? We got Keyshawn Vaughn? Then looking back at this, I'm like, okay. Keyshawn Vaughn is one of those players where he's a home run or a strikeout. He either breaks it for 70 yards with a lightning fast run, or he looks slow running through the hole. I think the Bucks want to use Keyshawn Vaughn as a receiving back. He didn't do a lot of that in college. That's the only problem there. But I think they can mold him and really develop him into becoming a great receiving back. But like I said, without the college tapes, it's hard to see that he's 100% able to do that. I think that's the Bucks' plan with him, though. Ultimately, getting Vaughn in the third round was a little bit of a reach, but they had to reach almost because no fourth round pick. So after the third round, if they don't reach and get Vaughn, and I, and apparently Jason Light and Bruce Aarons really like Keyshawn Vaughn, so hey, they do a lot more scouting than I do. So they these guys want this guy. They go up, they get him in the third round. Now, like I said, if they didn't select that player in the third round, if they didn't, if if maybe Keyshawn Vaughn was a fourth round talent, right? We couldn't get him in the fourth round. So then we'd have to wait to the fifth round. How do we know he's still going to be there in the fifth round? If this is a guy you really want, you take him right then and there. So that leaves the running back committee. Ronald Jones, Keyshawn Vaughn. We still got Dare Ogabawale, which sleeper name. Make sure you watch Dare because I think he could fit in great with Tom Brady. And then, of course, we got TJ Logan as well. I think TJ Logan's more of a special teams guy, but he's still on the roster as well. So then round five, because we didn't have a fourth round pick. Round five, pick 161, Minnesota wide receiver Tyler Johnson. To me, and I got a little bit of backlash on Twitter when I posted this, but I think Tyler Johnson is the sleeper pick of the draft, and I think he's going to end up being like the steal of the draft. Tyler Johnson has unbelievable awareness and ball control. I think he complements the receiving core of Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and now Gronk 100%. I think that's a great pick, and I think that they really did need to get that third receiver because you got Scotty Miller and Justin Watson. I don't think either one of those guys are really going to fit that third role. I know everybody's like, well, Scotty Miller is the perfect prototypical wide receiver for Tom Brady. But I just don't know. I just don't see it. He he didn't play that well last year with Jameis. And uh, yes, he was a rookie. I just don't know what the Bucks have in Scotty Miller yet. And I think the Bucks also don't know that. They lost Brashard Perryman. Tyler Johnson doesn't have the speed of Brashard Perryman. But I think he definitely has the potential to be a better wide receiver in the NFL. So then round six, they got Nebraska defensive tackle Khalil Davis. I know he was the captain of his team, so that's pretty cool because you always want to have that leadership mindset. Now, Khalil Davis is more going to be a rotational player, to be honest. I don't think he's going to break that defensive line as a starter. Let's face it, the Bucks defensive line is one of the best in the league. Probably the best, if you ask me. 
No bias, obviously. I think they're the best. He's quick. He's a very quick defensive tackle, and he can. He has that great first step. Almost Gerald McCoy-like, where McCoy always seemed to bust the line as soon as the ball was hiked. Khalil Davis has that a little bit in college. Go on YouTube and look, you know, search Khalil Davis, Nebraska highlights, and you'll see he, that first step is very, very explosive. So look for that. I think if the Bucks can kind of get him to use that a lot more, I think he'll be a great third down pass rushing defensive tackle, but he can also bust the line on a run play too. So that was a great pickup in the sixth round for the Bucks. And then in the seventh round, they drafted Temple linebacker Chappelle Russell, and then they drafted running back from Louisiana Lafayette, Raymond Calais. Um, I'll be honest with you guys, I don't know much about Russell. Uh, if I had to assume, he's not going to probably be a starter, obviously. Most of these third-day draft guys are going to be getting their shot at special teams. So Russell will get his chances on special teams. It'll be interesting to watch that. I always like you know those late sixth-round, seventh-round guys to see if they can crack the roster. With the Bucks' 245th pick getting Raymond Calais, I think that was a great pick. You know why? That dude's quick. And Bruce Arians also said it himself that... He could be that David Johnson type player where they can line him up on the outside, have him run routes just like a regular receiver. And I also think he has a great opportunity of becoming our specialist as far as the return man, you know, kick returns, punt returns and whatnot. So I could see him playing in that role and that's a great value for him if you get him in the seventh round. One other thing I did want to mention actually about the Tristan Wirfs and I just thought of it. I saw on Twitter that the Bucks, and this was also in the Peter King article that I would mentioned earlier the Bucks kind of had a little bit of intel that 49ers tackle Joe Staley was actually going to retire he announced just a couple days ago but it was a little bit after the draft if they had that intel there's a possibility that the 49ers could have went offensive tackle and taking Tristan Wirf and the difference between Tristan Wirf's who was the last of the big four offensive tackle to the next offensive tackle it, w- it was a major drop off so they had to go up and get their guy so stop saying that the Bucks reached, all right? A quick note, a lot of Bucks fans were a little upset that the Bucks didn't draft a rookie quarterback in the later part of the draft to try to mold underneath Tom Brady. But Bruce Arians and Jason Light both said that they had their eye on an undrafted free agent guy. We now know who that guy is. It's Reed Sinet, the San Diego quarterback. Um, I don't know anything about this guy, but apparently Jason Light and Bruce Arians had their eye on him in the first place. Don't know if that's a smokescreen or whatnot, but that's what they said, so we'll go with it. And then news broke yesterday that the Bucks officially picked up the fifth-year option on tight end O.J. Howard. O.J. Howard was a little bit of a drama story because a lot of people thought, okay, the Bucks are definitely going to ship O.J. Howard, and I was included in that. I thought the Bucks would 100% ship O.J. Howard away from Tampa for maybe a first-round pick, maybe a second-round pick, maybe at worst a third-round pick. They didn't do that. They didn't find anybody that they sent to high enough value for OJ. I don't know 100% if somebody did send a third round pick or whatnot, but it seems like the Bucks wanted a first or second in return for OJ. And then the Bucks with the trade of Gronk, I was like certain, okay, OJ Howard's gone. There's no way he starts the season with the Bucks. They actually just picked up his fifth year option. So he's going to be on the roster come opening day. Gronk and OJ Howard and Cameron Brait. I get it. A lot of people say you can't have too many heads in the locker room and too many stars and whatnot. First of all, OJ Howard isn't a star. Okay, he has all the potential in the world. He is a first round pick, but he's not a star. He hasn't become a star in the NFL. Cameron Brait is a better tight end than OJ Howard is. Cameron Brait is also the prototypical tight end for Tom Brady. 
I think, like I said, OJ Howard has an insane amount of potential. And I just can't wait for the season to start. We need sports. It has been, I think, 50 days today since the last professional sports game went on in the United States. And oh my gosh, I'm going to go crazy if we don't get sports soon. Until we get some sports, you guys can follow me along on the podcast. I did a quick recap today of the NFL draft for the Buccaneers. I did a quick recap of the crazy offseason, probably the craziest offseason in Bucks history. And we talked a little bit about the undrafted free agents that the Bucks did sign and um, the lack of trading O.J. Howard. I just want to thank you guys so much for tuning into this podcast. This is something that I'm extremely passionate about. Um, I hope you guys do find that true as you listen. And please reach out to me on social media. I love interacting with people. I love debating the Bucks. If I said something and you're like, dude, you're wrong. You're an idiot. Tell me. Tell me on social media, please. I want to interact with you guys. I want to debate. I had a debate with Jameis 101 about Jameis. And I'm a Jameis fan. But I just liked to debate anything that has to do with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So please, guys, reach out to me on social media. You can follow along the podcast at Bucks Journal on Twitter and at Bucks Journal on Facebook. Look out for episode two dropping soon. And I can't wait to talk Bucks football with you guys. Go Bucks.